0: And here we go. We're back with another episode of Healthy You with Andrea and Drew. And what number are we at, Dre?
1: 19, Drew. Jeez, 19. I know. It,
0: so we're back. It's another uh, soon-to-be award-winning edition of this mm-hmm. podcast. Um, the topic that we're going to discuss, this is something we've had many combos around the dinner table. Now, Absolutely. Now, people, people who are uh, just listening for the first time, they may not know you and I are brother-in-law, sister-in-law. Yes, we are. So <laughs> By marriage. Our, <laughs> yes. <laughs> So, around the dinner table, sometimes uh, food habits and preferences come up in conversation. So we're going to talk about picky eating.
1: Mm-hmm. I, you know, I try to leave my profession. Outside of the home, but then sometimes, S- sometimes it just, it comes, it just up. comes up.
0: <laughs> but but this is something I know we have uh, discussed at you know, family meals a few times. And, right. and, and I'm saying preferences, but we're going to talk about uh, picky eating and more so on the uh, adult side of things.
1: Because mm-hmm. we covered the little ones last time.
0: Exactly. So yeah. we're talking about the grown-ups like us who sometimes can be a bit picky.
1: Because mm-hmm. it's out there. And, um, you know, it, it's funny because you don't always hear about it or think about it, and then I'll go do a dietary log with someone, and I was just like, is there any foods you can't eat? Thinking allergies or sensitivities... Mm -hmm. And they're like, no, but I won't eat, and they'll just yeah. start <laughs> off this yeah, whole thing. Yeah. So I don't like, like this, this. Yeah. And that. So, um, you know, what categorizes an adult piggy eater? I guess mm. we can start that there. And there's actually very little research on it, but there are, you know, when you break things down and look at the the two entities or the two descriptors of these groups, there are there are two. Um, one of them, there is actually. A selective eating disorder. So Mm. there is such a thing. Now, it's not diagnostic in the psychology DSM with all our, you know, diagnostic uh, disorders and whatnot. However, there is actually research being carried out at Duke University and the University of Pittsburgh right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And the basic thing about being a selective eating disorder or, you know, being identified with this is, does it affect your quality of life? Does it affect your health? Does it affect your well-being? Do you uh, refrain from social settings or vacations because there are certain foods you you know, won't have and can't eat or certain environments that you can't eat within. Um, And honestly, if if you look at food and food choices that way, Mm -hmm. coming from someone who also I have to always, you know, remind people I used to always have so much fear allotted with food and what Mm -hmm. I could and couldn't have until I realized that that just made it worse. Um, But if it's affecting your overall quality of life, I do suggest you seek some support just because there are people that can can help you understand why are you are scared of those foods or whatnot. Of course. Um, yeah. You know, you you know the food nonsense world we live in. Uh, right yes. It, yes,
0: exactly. And and uh if it does affect your quality of life, definitely contact a professional. Yeah. That's why we're doing these podcasts right yes. here. And uh um and that's a little more extreme than what we usually discuss yes, at the dinner table. because Be- at the <laughs> well, but we sometimes have, and you know, we're getting a little more personal here. But it's true, we sometimes have these discussions at dinner about you know food preferences and whatnot. And and there's a difference between something actually affecting your quality of life and just not really liking something as much as others. And there's I, I'm I think I'm a pretty decent eater. I mm-hmm. like almost everything. But yeah, there's a select few things that I'd, I'll eat, but. I don't really love.
1: Prefer, exactly. Exactly,
0: I'm not a big fan of them.
1: <laughs> right, like I get a lot from this and my fiance, one of them, mushrooms. Mushrooms have a specific texture. So if there's a food, like for instance, call it that, that you just don't like the texture, but you have no problem eating, you know, carrots and cucumbers and tomatoes. Mm-hmm. You know, when when we look at certain foods as, as an adult not liking, um, it, it's... It, You know, is it just the pizza, the pasta and the French fries that you'll eat or will you not eat any vegetables, but you will eat French fries kind of thing? So there's there's three little subcategories, I guess you can say, when it comes to um, what I generally look with and or work with. And a lot of it is texture related, Mm -hmm. association
0: That's a big one for sure. Yeah. yeah,
1: And then flavors or um, super, super, sorry, super tasters. So
0: Say that three times.
1: (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) So texture related, like I said, it's kind of like mushrooms. They don't enjoy the the texture of the food. So what we usually say is mince up. And if you're trying to go beyond, you know, if you're like, you know what? I'm adamant on starting to like mushrooms. How can I do it? Well, don't have mushrooms on their own. Right, but maybe you can mince it into something. Mm-hmm. I put minced mushrooms into um, turkey burgers last year. You may have even had one. I'm Probably. pretty sure. See, and, I have
0: nothing against mushrooms, so you right. Know, sorry, so but sorry, <laughs> but
1: I, you know, I'm I'm sure that one of my little picky picky people yes. um, did have one. But because it was minced in and masked with that different kind of texture it was okay. And
0: and that's a baby step that you would do if you were trying to get a a child to eat these kind of things. And there's nothing wrong with doing that for ourselves.
1: Absolutely. So little things like that. The other one you said is the association. Yes. So, you know, eat your greens, eat your broccoli. A lot of times we grow up with this horrible association (laughs) of certain foods or even, or eat your chocolate. You know, sometimes, I don't know, good, you know, any type of food goes here. Yeah, of course. But of if course. you've if you've created a bad association with it, um, then there's another kind of hill to get over. This is actually a big thing we recommend for people who are on, like, um, uh, medication, mm-hmm. for instance, that may affect their taste buds. We often say don't give them foods that they often enjoy because if the medication is affecting your taste buds, it could create a bad association with it as well. Yeah, and
0: you definitely don't want that. And you know what? And not to get too uh, uh, graphic, but that's something uh, a lot of people even yeah, they get sick off of something, and then mm-hmm. they have a hard time going back to yeah. to a particular food, whether it's at a restaurant or made at home. Yes, but, you know, I've heard so many stories yes. of that, and that's a sad thing. You know, enjoying a breakfast one day, you are sick that afternoon, and then all of a sudden, you don't want to eat your favorite breakfast item or so Absolutely. on. Absolutely, yeah. and yeah, uh, you know, not always pleasant, but you kind of want to move past that if yeah. you can right
1: it's like learning learning to drive again or getting in the car after oh, an accident no, right let's not talk so. about that <laughs>
0: but and, and, but then
1: us. but then <laughs> the, the other thing like i said is flavors or some people actually have more taste buds on their tongue that make certain foods a little more heightened which can be pleasurable or not so much oh, interesting. so and it's kind of it's it's about thinking about how to make foods flavorful so for instance I know a lot of people that come to me and say, I know avocados are so good for you, but I just don't love it. And and I could totally understand. Sometimes yep. I eat an avocado, I'm like, mm, this is good for me, but mm, I need something more on it. Um, so adding some flavors to it. Um, for instance, I often mash up avocado with like egg salad sandwich, but a little bit of mayonnaise in there as well and Dijon mustard. So you're using it, but you're, you're adding some other yep. flavors yep. to it. Um, a lot of time with vegetables, for instance, you know, thinking about if you really like corn but you don't so much love carrots you know having corn with carrots and maybe having a little bit more corn um, if you're trying to mask even spinach a lot of vegetables actually don't have much flavor in them as well but throw throw a tiny little puck of spinach um, into your smoothie in the morning Mm -hmm. you won't taste it. So there's there's solutions and ways to go around it. Again, at the end of the day, I often say work with what you do like. If there is a list of maybe only one, and we're focusing here on fruits and vegetables, but if there's a list of maybe only exactly, but if there's a list of only one like fruit or one vegetable that you like, and you know maybe you need to get a little bit more of that nutrition you can work and work with it and work around it
0: yeah so so if it's not as uh, as extreme as you mentioned off the top of uh uh, selective eating disorder there are those baby steps and again you know what just think outside the box a little bit think about what you would do for your kids (laughs) your grandkids right and just kind of move slowly towards that and of course always contact a professional but speaking of of kids if you're a picky eater as a parent, uh-huh. and this is, you know, as a new parent, this is something I've had discussions with uh, with my wife about. Like, how do we not pass these habits on to our kids? Now, we're lucky, again, that we're not too bad. But there mm-hmm. are mm-hmm. certain things I don't want to eat at home, but I know I probably should because they're for good sure. for my little girl.
1: Yes. And who has the best palate ever, yes. right? Kids yes. actually, or especially young kids when they're learning foods, Flavors and and textures. So, again, we've talked about, we talked about in the last edition, children learn by modeling more Mm -hmm. than anything. Um, I said it just before, stick with what you do like, Mm -hmm. right? You can try the masking of the foods in different ways as well. Um, And and trying maybe the less favorable foods with the more favorable foods. Mm -hmm. And most importantly, it's also the language you choose to use, okay? So... If you go out and say, oh, my, I'm a picky eater. Oh, my child's a picky eater. Well, you're, you're technically bringing that on. You're manifesting it in a way, um, Words like I don't like, I hate, I'm picky. They hear these things. Of course, they you, hear you're, these you're, things. You're
0: creating that situation essentially, and exactly. it's not to be so blunt, but that's what happens.
1: Yeah, you're you're bringing it on. So yep. you, again, the type of language you use, the modeling, and then again, if it's if it's a wide array of foods that you don't like, sit down and talk with someone because mm-hmm. there are solutions. But if it's just a select few, choose the ones you do like because there's plenty out there, yep. right?
0: Definitely. And there's some great tips in there. And as always, how can people get in touch with you if they want to get uh, a little bit further into this subject?
1: Everything at Andrea andreafalcone.ca. a n d r e a f a l c o n e . c a dot c a.
0: Simple as that. Mm-hmm. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with not really liking the texture of mushrooms.
1: There's really not.
0: It's all good. We can work with it. Exactly. So we're going to be back uh, in a little bit with episode 20, just around the corner.